Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Labor Day Eve. I sure am glad to see you here in the seats and in the space. And I hopped on the live stream just a few minutes ago. I know we have a lot of folks who are traveling and who are gathering with us online, so welcome to you as well. Uh, It is a very special and important time to be here. I just want to say as we uh, get kicking off, I appreciate seeing uh, the Jacob Tanner Memorial shirts as well as the Braves gear. Uh, For those of you who may not be aware, it was three years ago today that the youth pastor here, Jacob Tanner, uh, died in a car accident. And so we are remembering his ministry, his memory, and his legacy today. So many people here loved him so dearly. I had an opportunity to get to know him and work with him for, I guess, about six months or so uh, before he passed away. And uh, I still appreciate and enjoy hearing all the stories. And so thank you for being here today and helping to remember Jacob and his ministry and his legacy. Uh, One of the things that I started saying, kind of came to me during the time where we were remembering Jacob and celebrating his life in those ministry service, memorial services, was uh, pointing people to Jesus, because that's how Jacob lived. Jacob lived to point people to Jesus, and so that's something that I've held on to from there, Uh, and I hope that as we gather here together today, whether you are worshiping with us online or here in the space, that you will commit and dedicate your life uh, like Jacob did to point people to Jesus. Amen? So with it being the third, here on this first Sunday of September, we're starting a new message series entitled The Power of Three. This is one of those things that uh, I've been thinking about for a little while because the instances and uh, ways that we see the number three show up in Scripture are very, very poignant. Uh, And so what I wanted to do this month is take opportunities for us to look at uh, four different ways that the number three appears, and how it helps us to develop a deeper understanding and appreciation for how God is at work and moves in, is at work and at moves, you know, sorry, holiday weekend, I guess, how God is at work and moves in our life. And we're going to talk about instances where the number three appears uh, throughout this entire month. And today we're beginning with the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity. But before we get there, I want us to, to think about really quickly a couple different ways that the number three shows and reminds us that there is significance with us. So, the instances of three, it actually shows up 467 times in Scripture. The most predominant number in Scripture is seven, but three is the second most important. Whenever we see anything offered in repetition... It denotes intensity, and the same is true for the number three, because we see it appear over and over and over again. And from a symbolic, a high-level point of view, a symbolic point of view, what we see when we get to the number three is it means harmony, new life, and completion. Harmony, new life, and completion. And that's how we're going to begin our message this morning, talking about the Holy Trinity. 
Now, the Holy Trinity, the question is, what is the Holy Trinity? The actual uh, term Holy Trinity does not appear in Scripture, but the concept and the content of it does. And that's what we're going to be going through this morning, is looking at the Holy Trinity and what that means. It means God in pure relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, these are not three different gods. This is one God in three persons. Clear, right? One God, three persons, not three different gods. Christianity does not serve three different gods. We serve how many gods? Say one. One, that's right. Uh, but God manifests God's self to us in three different personalities. Now, I know that this is kind of confusing. I know that it's mysterious. It really, really is. The whole idea about mystery of it is, is that all illustrations and ways that we can try to describe and define what the Holy Trinity is outside of one God in three persons falls short. Now, this seems kind of crazy to me. Why would we have a doctrine, so to speak, in our Christian witness and understanding, and actually Judeo-Christian witness and understanding, that really defies all of our ability to understand it, let alone describe it? I can remember very vividly uh, one of the very first uh, lectures that I attended in seminary, professor said, you can't adequately define the Holy Trinity because if you could, that would mean that it would become God. Your definition would become God. That seems kind of crazy in and of itself, but God exists above all, outside of our understanding, outside of our time, outside of our space, outside of our energy, outside of our strength, outside of our power, outside of our resources. God exists outside of all of it. And the mysteriousness of God helps to be made more understanding or more uh, developed, I guess, when we recognize that God is mysterious. And that there are things about God that we will not fully be able to embrace, let alone understand, until we are united with him in eternity. Now, there are a number of ways that people throughout history have tried to describe and explain the Holy Trinity. One of them is famous, we do on, on Brent's birthday, actually. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Brent celebrates his birthday on St. Patrick's Day. Okay, that was a terrible joke. Anyway, so, uh, y'all go get another cup of coffee, I'll wait. <laughs> this is actually water, so anyway, uh, but, but uh, the shamrock, right? The shamrock, three different leaves, but it's one piece. So that's one of the ideas that has been given to understand. But the problem is, is that once you remove one of the leaves, it no longer is a shamrock, right? And that leaf that is removed is no longer shamrock. Another way Billy Graham described the Holy Trinity is the apple. You have the core, and then you have the, the meat, so to speak, the fruit, and you have the skin. But the problem is, once you remove one piece of that, it no longer is the same thing. An apple core is not the same as the fruit that you eat or the skin that you have to dig out of your teeth. It's not the same. And so it breaks down again. Others have described it like an egg, right? You have the yolk, you have the white, and then you have the shell. Again, it breaks down because an egg shell is not an egg yolk. And an egg yolk is not an egg white. And an egg white is not an egg shell, right? I, mean, I can remember one of the best Egg McMuffins I ever had would have been so much better if they would have left a little piece of shell out of it. And so it's not the same. And that's one of the problems that we see with our illustrations of the Holy Trinity. Now, the one that seems to make the most sense to me, but it also breaks down, it borderlines on heresy because of what's known as modalism is what happens with water. 
You have three different ways that water can manifest itself, right? Solid, liquid, and gas. But what composes water? Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen. So you have a molecule, right? Already the molecule is made up of different items that come in to create the water molecule. So the illustration automatically is broken down, right? But you can have water in three different forms. And each of those forms has a unique purpose and unique reason. Take, for example, water in its solid form is ice. That is what's keeping my, uh, my water cold in my beverage, in my drink here. We also see water in a liquid form. Water in a liquid form is good for refreshment, rehydration. It's also used for cleansing. And we also see water in its gaseous form. It also can be used for cleansing. It can be used for getting wrinkles out of things. And it also can be used to provide power. But you cannot have ice, liquid water, and gas in the same space at the same time. They just can't exist that way. So all of our ability to define or to describe the Holy Trinity falls way short. And that tells us a little bit about our ability to understand and define God, doesn't it? That all of our attempts to understand and define God fall short. The scripture tells us over and over again that, that God has things planned for us and prepared for us that we cannot even begin to conceive. That all of our thoughts, all of our ideas about God are so limited compared to the vastness of who he is and what he does in our lives. And so this is a mystery that I hope we can embrace this morning and not say, this is just some crazy kooky thing that's too complicated. I'm going to tune out and we'll think about uh, how the Braves have won three out of four games against the Dodgers. Another game today with Uncle Charlie going on the mound, right? And so uh, and maybe your favorite, maybe your favorite uh, football team won yesterday, uh, right? So mine did, mine did. Hallelujah. You are with me today. So I don't want you to tune out because all this stuff is really, really good. Okay, so let's look at the first way that we come to know and identify the name of God as it's depicted in creation. It's the name Elohim. Elohim. Which means, is the Hebrew name for God. And you'll see there on the slide that it's plural. The Hebrew name for God that Moses gives us when he is writing Genesis 1 the name of God is plural. We see this in Genesis 1.1 where it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we see God created the heavens and the earth is talking about a plural God. Now again, it's not three different gods. It's one God in three persons. One God in three manifestations. One God in three different identities. And then again in Genesis 1.26 which is the verse below it, it says, then God said, right, we read this as plural, I mean, it's singular, but it is plural. Then God said, and now, who? We will make human beings. They will be like us and resemble us. So from the very beginning of Scripture, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and verse 26, we see the name of God in Hebrew, Elohim, and it denotes a plural manifestation of God. Do you find that pretty cool and awesome? So we see here that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all active and actively involved and engaged in creation. We see this from how, well, we're going to get into this a little bit more deeply in a few minutes, but we see this how God says specifically, and now we will make human beings. They will be like us and resemble us. 
And so when we take what is the plural idea and concept of God, the Elohim, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and look at it in a singular sense, in a singular way, what we are looking at is not three, necessarily three coming into one uh, and trying to come up with numbers and things. What we are talking about from the plural of the singular is unity. Unity becomes the key word, the touchstone by which we are called to understand the idea of the Holy Trinity. Again, it's about harmony. God existing in pure relationship with God's self and inviting us into that relationship as well with new life from creation and what we will see later in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the new creation. How when we accept Jesus and we, and we allow him to be Lord and Savior of our life, he transforms us and God sends the Holy Spirit into our lives to make us that new creation. We see how God in the plural coming together in unity is inviting himself and inviting us to be together in a pure and perfect, harmonious, new and complete experience of life and living. I know it's kind of hard to understand. I struggle sometimes too. It is so easy for me to slip into that blasphemous idea of modalism and think about God just in terms of two parts, hydrogen, one part, oxygen, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it's so much more than that. And it is really an invitation. It's God begging us, come, get deeper. Try to get to know me better. Know who I am, know how I work, and know what I want and need from you. And so what we see with the roles of the three different parts coming together to form the one God we see that all three reveal God's nature. All three reveal God's nature. Now, one of the primary ways that the scripture reveals to us the nature of God is in a four-letter word, love. Right? L-O-V-E. Love lasts. It overwhelms us. It makes us vulnerable, but it helps us experience eternity. There's a little cross stick for you. Views that one before. That's actually one of my wedding sermons. Freebie for today. But what we see is all three represent the love of God as God's nature for humanity. When we look at how God in the plural created the heavens and the earth and created humanity in his image, it was for the purpose of relationship. All these questions about, did God really create the heavens and the earth in six day and rest on the seventh? And, you know, did God really create aardvarks and, you know, anteaters and, you know, things like that? Well, yeah. And we can try to split hairs and even try to use our questions in the mystery of creation to discredit or to disqualify any thought that God is real, loves us, and has a plan and a purpose for our lives. That's the kind of stuff that we got to get over. We've got to embrace the fact that God created the heavens and the earth and all of us for the sake and the purpose of relationship. God wants us to be in that harmonious, life-giving, complete relationship that he created and intended for all of us to live into that sin got in the way. And so because of the love that God had for us or has for us, he sent his one and only son Jesus to destroy the hold that sin has over all of us. And then Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live and to dwell and to reign within us so that as we seek to move away from our old worn out burnout way of living in sin that the Holy Spirit empowers and inspires us to live a life, a new life for God all because of how much God loves us and God sent his one and only son who sends us the Holy Spirit to save us, to recreate us and to direct us to live for him. 
So let's take a moment or two here really quickly to get a little bit more deeply into the three individual persons of the Holy Trinity and see how it is that the nature of God gets revealed. The first is from Exodus 3.14. Again, when we see God said to Moses, Moses is using the name Elohim. So it shows up here again, right? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, the I am that I am points back to the reality that God exists, that God is real, that any question, doubt, wonder, worry that we may have, is this whole life of faith real? We see God come straight out to Moses in the midst of Moses' questions and curiosities. I exist. This is my nature. Existence. Life. And of course, that manifests itself in love. So God the Father, speaking on behalf of the other two persons in the Trinity, says, I exist, which really means we exist. We are here. We love you. And we have a purpose in what we're doing. We see God the Son, who we know is who? Jesus. There are episodes in, ev in the evidence of uh, Jesus appearing in a pre-incarnational form, which just means that Jesus shows up in the Old Testament before he was born uh, in the New Testament. We see Jesus show up to bury Moses because Moses couldn't make it into the promised land. We see Jesus show up with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, for example, in the fiery furnace in the book of Daniel. So those are just two examples out of several where a pre-incarnate son of God, the son of God, comes and shows up to fight for people and be part of their lives. Hallelujah. I'm with you. Praise it. Preach it. And so what we see here is this is in the, the Gospel of John, the 17th chapter. This is where Jesus is preparing the disciples for his crucifixion and his departure. This is what Jesus says to the disciples, and we hear it, we read it today. It says, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. One of the key components and concepts of the Gospel of John really deals with sending how God sends Jesus, Jesus sends the Spirit, and the Spirit sends us out into the world to let people know that God is real. He loves us and has a plan and a purpose for our lives. So we see this is how God the Son comes in. God, God the Son comes to reveal the heart of the Father for us. And then we see God the Spirit. The Apostle Paul wrote this in the book of Romans. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So we see God the Father sending the Son. And the Son reveals the heart of heaven. And in fact, the heartbeat of heaven beats for you and me. And the Son of God speaks the words that the Father gives him to tell us about how we are called to live in God's world. And then Jesus sends the Spirit to bring that new life, that new creation that he talked about in John 3, 16, for God to love the world that he sent his one and only son, gave his one and only son. And then we see that what the Spirit does is the Spirit helps to translate our moaning and groaning as words back into a prayer language that reaches the Father's ears. So we see this harmonious, life-giving, completing relationship. God speaks and sends his son. His son speaks to encourage us, 
to transform our lives or allow God to transform our lives, to send us the Spirit who leads God and directs us. And even in those moments when we are down, when we are moaning and are groaning, it is the power of the Holy Spirit that is continuing to move us forward that is translating our moaning and groaning back to a prayer language for God. So all three of these, the nature of God is working to show us that God is real. He loves us and has a plan and a purpose for our lives. But even as we see the nature of God's love lived out in relationship, we can see that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all have common and unique roles. They all have common and unique roles. God the Father shows up in one really simple, concise verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, the first part of that. It says, we have only one God, and he is the Father. And of course, again, God here is plural. But speaking about the Father, he created everything, and we live for him. So God the Father's role is creation and life. God created all of us for the purpose of relationship. And God created the heavens and the earth, the inanimate things, so to speak. And even the animate things that can't speak, like my dog, your dog or cat, guinea pig, hamster, bird, I don't know, whatever, salamander. God created all of this to reveal his glory, and to glorify him, even the things that we can't necessarily understand, like mosquitoes, bed bugs, Things like that. They all have a purpose, even if it is to be food for frogs or whatever else it is. Everything has a purpose. So God created that, and God gave life for the purpose of relationship with him and to glorify who he is, to reveal his nature to creation. The Son. The Son is present in creation and salvation. Creation first. We see the Apostle Paul write in Colossians For by him, talking about by Jesus, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is God's glue. The love of Christ that came to us to reveal that the heartbeat of heaven beats for you and me is the same one who saves us from our sins, and it's in him all things hold together. Jesus said just before he ascended that all authority on heaven and in earth or in heaven and on earth, has been given over to him. And Jesus gave us that commandment to go, to be sent. So Jesus was involved in creation. It is his image by which we are made. But Jesus is also involved and engaged in salvation. I referenced John 3.16 a little bit ago, but one of the things that we oftentimes miss is the second part of some of these concepts. And so I wanted to show John 3.17 today, which says where Jesus is telling Nicodemus, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be, what? Saved through him. So Jesus is involved in the creation of the earth and the redemption of the earth. Jesus came to remove the power and the threat of sin over us so that we can be created, we can be saved, and we can be recreated. The third person of the Holy Trinity we see here is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit was involved in creation as well. Genesis 1 verse 2 says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. It was the Spirit of God sent and deployed by God the Father to bring life out of nothingness. This is the Holy Spirit's work. But the Holy Spirit also has another role that gets played out every single time we pray to God and ask him for help. The Holy Spirit 
It's the power of God that lives and reigns and dwells within us. The Apostle Paul wrote when he's talking about spiritual gifts, that the Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. Now think about this for a few minutes. We've seen how God the Father creates and gives us life. God the Son is the one who is involved in helping to create the image by which we are created, but also to save us from the power and the sting of sin. And it is the Holy Spirit that brings this new life out of the darkness and the doldrums of living so that we can be empowered and propelled to live for God into the future. And what we see when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior is the Holy Spirit comes to live and dwell within us. And what the Holy Spirit gives us as the gift of God, which is the gift of God himself, are also known as spiritual gifts. Have you ever heard that term, spiritual gifts? Besides what I said just like 45 seconds ago? A spiritual gift is a power and a gift that God brings into your heart and into your life to empower you and to enable you to live for God in the context and with the needs in which you find yourself at the time. So your Holy Spiritual gifts can change some based on the circumstances where you are and based on the needs that God has for you in your life and the place and the time where and when you are. And so I can think back to when I first started in my, in my ministry. I used to think that I had absolutely no spiritual gift of hospitality. And I just wanted to let that be for somebody else, mainly Tiffany, right? You go do the spiritual gift of hospitality, and I'll preach and teach and administer the sacraments and do hospital visits and things like that. And one of the things that God had to really plane and sand and shape and mold me is to realize that that is a really shallow and hollow way of looking at the world. And it was in that experience in our very first full-time appointment together that made a tremendous difference for us. I can remember one example about how the gift of hospitality began to emerge in our lives, and it had to do with a bunch of June bugs. Remember the story, Tiff? June bugs, okay. Well, good, I remember it very vividly. So we had an infestation of June bugs. We were, our church was meeting in a warehouse, and it was not a very clean warehouse. It was not a very fancy one. It was ours, though. And somehow we had an infestation of June bugs. And uh, Tiffany went to the store one day and picked up some bug spray, and we went in there, and we, we killed them, like all of them. And there were still some that were flying up high when they got sprayed and stuff. And we came back in on Sunday morning. And this is where that idea about hospitality began to really emerge within me. Is all of those June bugs that we didn't see that were all up in the ceiling and stuff had fallen to the floor. And in the chairs and everywhere else. And there were hundreds of June bugs, dead June bugs, all over the facility. And somebody says, somebody needs to call an exterminator. And I said, I am the exterminator. And it dawned on me in that moment that things like killing and cleaning up bugs, cleaning toilet seats and commodes, and restocking toilet paper, and paper towels, all of those things that at some point in my life and in my 
emergence in the ministry that I thought were too low beneath me were some of the most important things that we are called to do in life with God. Eugene Peterson, who was the one who did the translation of the paraphrase of the message, talked about how talks about how ministry, and not just talking about the ministry of the clergy person, right? But ministry in general is very much a taking out the trash and washing the windows and mucking out the stalls type of an invitation to live in. The kind of stuff that we are called to do that seems to be beneath or below us. But I tell you, when I just walk or roam the halls here weekdays when our preschool is here, and I can smell the evidence that a diaper has been changed. <laughs> and I hear that Meredith or Laura, somebody else is running to go clean up some vomit that somebody blessed the church with. Or all kinds of little things. It might be easy for us to think, that's too far beneath us. But friends, that's where Jesus shows up. Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took off his outer garment and he got on his hands and knees and he washed the feet of his disciples. They were not feet that were wearing leather sketchers and fancy Star Wars socks at the time. These were feet that had been walking in dust and dirt. Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm doing, but eventually you will. And it came with the Holy Spirit. See, God created you and me and all of us out of dirt, out of dust. He animates us with his breath. And he calls us and claims us as his own because of this intense and unreal love that he has for you and for me. And these gifts that God gives us help us to see that there are times when we need to make sure our life and our ministry is about wiping down toilets or rear ends or noses. That it's about taking out the trash, mopping the floor, cleaning the window. This, my friends, become the essence, becomes the essence of how God lives in harmony and offers us new life and new creation when we see that God creates us out of the dust. God loves us and deploys us for the sake of helping the world know that he's real and he loves us and has a plan and a purpose for our lives. But he also invites us to get into the nitty-gritty with him because it's in that nitty-gritty where Jesus confronts and defeats your sin. It's in that nitty-gritty where the Holy Spirit invites and then deploys you into the nitty-gritty of other people's lives. And it's in that nitty-gritty, regardless of the spiritual gifts that the Spirit gives you, of preaching or teaching or administering or cleaning or whatever it is, it's in those places, in those areas, where God is inviting you or directing you into the darkness and the dirt of our everyday living to lead us out and to show us that there is a better way. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It shows us that we've got to get into the depths 
and the darkness and the dirt of the world to lead people out and back to the heart of God. So all three persons of the Holy Spirit have common and unique roles. They are involved in creation, giving us life, saving us from the depths of our sin, redeeming us and moving us into the light. But as we move into the light, we always have to be mindful of the fact that there are so many people in this world living in the darkness who do not know God. And God is pushing us or pulling us, as it were, into that darkness so that we can help show other people the way. So three quick takeaways as we get ready to bring this message to a close is that God creates and saves and empowers. God creates, he saves, and empowers. He invites us into relationship, a relationship of harmony and of life and of completion. And God designed all of us with common and unique roles and then empowers us to live into them through things that we know as spiritual gifts. I hope that you take those things away and recognize that specifically in that last part with our common and unique roles and how God empowers us to live into them is all about how we are called to get out of the darkness and into God's wonderful light. But also, we have to be mindful of people who are still stuck in the darkness, and we have to lead them forward. And so this begs our closing question for this installment of our series. How has God called and equipped you to serve him through the church? Because if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he has. If you don't know what that is like yet or how that is, I invite you to spend some time in prayer. Talk to me. I am more than happy. In fact, I may just do this anyway, uh, to send you uh, some spiritual gift inventories so you can begin to think about how God might have created and shaped you for the purpose of helping to reveal to the world that God is real and he loves you and has a plan and a purpose for your life. All of us are called to do something to help the world know about God. You've probably heard that cliche that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. This is what we're speaking about in our lives. And it may mean that you have to reference some of the, the dark, dirty doldrums of your previous pre-Jesus existence in order to help people know that there is a way out and there is hope in that. But friends, that's the whole purpose of this. Jesus went to the cross. He went in the tomb and he came out to show us that the tomb isn't the final destination. It's just a pass-through. So all of the hard, horrible, dark, scary things that we experience in life are to do the same. God has called you and equipped you to help serve him through the church. And I want to ask and pray that you take seriously that call. That you hear it and that you heed it and ask the Lord Jesus to send his Holy Spirit into your life to equip you to meet the needs that can only be addressed by you. Because God is involved in your creation your salvation, your recreation. And in that recreation, he is empowering you to live for him now and forevermore. Amen. Join me in prayer, please. Living and loving God, I give you thanks for this day and I give you thanks for this message in which we come face to face with the mystery that is you. And Lord God, I know and I recognize that even though there are times when we can't understand exactly what the fullness of that mystery is, that you are helping to lead, guide, and direct us into ways that we might 
discover it and uncover it and help to live into it further until that next point of epiphany or discovery. And so, Lord God, help us to know that you created all things for us and you've given us life. Our sin does get in the way, but you sent your son Jesus to defeat that power of sin over us. And your son Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower us to live for you and to help reflect your image and love back into the world. We ask this in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus. For it is in his name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area, there you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.